Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. A new four-part series debuts tonight on PBS stations. During the Native America series, you'll be introduced to a tribal leader reviving songs from more than a century ago, a NASA engineer designing tools for exploring Mars, and a bareback horse relay rider. Today we'll hear from producers and participants in the show talking about the energy and thought they put into getting the story right instead of just doing what comes easy. We'll be back after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. In Guatemala, an unprecedented national strike led by indigenous groups has been going on for more than 20 days. Protests and blockades continued over the weekend as indigenous and other citizens mobilized in support of the president-elect. Maria Martin reports. As Guatemala's national strike enters its third week, neither the government nor pro-democracy protesters are budging. Those mobilizing want the government to drop its efforts to block the reformist president-elect Bernardo Arevalo from taking office. While the government wants the protest to stop, calling the blockades, quote, crimes against humanity. In Guatemala City, doctors from the two largest public hospitals joined the protests. One carried a sign referencing the lack of investment in public health, saying, we're here for all those who've lost their lives due to corruption. Meanwhile, the indigenous group Guarendayocho Cantones, 48 villages, says some of its blockades will be lifted, but that protests will continue in the capital. The group's significant role in leading the pro-democracy movement is now being celebrated in a song going viral on social media. Meanwhile, the clock is ticking on the official end of the electoral period. At the end of this month, the Justice Department can legally move to disqualify the president-elect's party. For National Native News, I'm Maria Martin. A northern Wisconsin tribe is in the middle of a major housing development project. In the next year, it's expected to build and renovate 44 homes within the Lac-de-Flambeau Band of Lake Superior Chippewa Reservation. WXPR's Katie Thorson reports. Two major housing projects are underway in Lac de Flambeau right now. The Chippewa Housing Authority received $15 million in tax credits to build 20 new homes and renovate 24 others. The new homes will range from two to four bedroom units. The renovated houses will be adding another bedroom and bathroom. Travoy has been working with the Housing Authority since 2021 to secure the financing. Brian Schuler is the organization's vice president of housing development who works with tribes across the country. We see a lot of overcrowding on uh, within reservation housing. So um, that was meeting that particular need in terms of those renovations. Um, additionally, uh, housing authorities maintain a really large waiting list of households that need need housing. Um, and the new construction was going to be very vital to LDS community. Schuler says the Indian housing block grant allocation hasn't kept up with inflation, which is why tribes like Lac de Flambeau have turned to the low-income housing tax credit program. 
It's the first time in state history a tribe was able to get both of these types of tax credit projects funded within the same year. Jeff Ackley is the housing administrator for the Lac de Flambeau Chippewa Housing Authority. There's always a way to improve anything that you're, you know, any community that you're working in and that kind of thing. So um, it's, some, some of it has been challenging, but uh, the reward is great. Um, and, you know, I think that the whole community and, you know, like Wisconsin wins basically, you know, basically for, you know, affording us the opportunity and putting in for tax credit projects. Ackley says one of the long-term benefits is sustaining tribal membership in the community. People will not have to move off the reservation to find other housing. I'm Katie Thorson reporting. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Support by Drummond Woodsum, a full-service law firm whose nationally recognized tribal nations practice provides services to tribal nations and their enterprises and to companies that do business with tribes across the country. More at dwmlaw.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. A four-part series begins tonight on PBS. It's called Native America, and it's the second season of a show that first aired in 2018. This time, the producers are introducing audiences to a diverse set of accomplished Native people, with some history and tradition woven in along with vibrant cinematography from different Native nations. Viewers will learn about the hip-hop duo Hallucination, a space shuttle commander, a bareback horse relay rider, and a boxer vying for a spot on the U.S. Olympic team. The producers employed a host of Native talent behind the scenes as well, and we'll hear from some of them today. You're welcome to join our discussion by calling in at 1-800-996-2848. Tell us what excites you about the PBS Native America series. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Phone lines to the Albuquerque studio are now open. Speaking with us now from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, is Gary Glassman. He is the president of Providence Pictures and the executive producer of the Native America series. Hi, Gary. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Sean. Nice to be here. Joining us from Montana is Pam Belgard. She is an active producer for television and radio and is a producer for the Native America series. She's also a former producer for Native America Calling. She is Turtle Mountain Band of Anishinaabe. Pam, welcome back to Native America Calling. Boujou, boujou. How do you do? <laughs> boujou, boujou. And in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, we're joined by Charles Boots Kennedy. He is an Emmy Award-winning filmmaker and television producer and also a producer for the Native America series. He is a citizen of the Kiowa tribe. Hello, Boots. How are you doing? Hey, Deonde. Thanks for having me here. 
Great to have all of you on the show. And I've had the pleasure of attending several screening events to introduce the audiences to the Native America series. So Gary, I know you've answered some of these questions before, but I want to start by getting your take on, on what's changed between the first series of Native America and the current one starting tonight. You produced both. Yeah, so um, season one was largely historical, and we were trying to showcase the world created by America's first peoples. So it's like 15,000 years of history, um, and we collaborated with uh, Native scholars and uh, participants from communities um, uh, throughout the whole process of the production. But we wanted to go further with um, season two further in the sense of even a deeper collaboration and a truer storytelling. And, um, you know, look, the, the, the big technological um, breakthrough in my lifetime was uh, VHS. You know, it was <laughs> like <laughs> it gave people the ability to make their own TV. And, um, you know, when people make their own programs, their own, tell their own stories, it's just that much more powerful. So, um, that's what we wanted to do with season two, um, and the best way to do that was to um, have Native filmmakers um, produce and direct each one of the episodes and have a, a, a deeper connection to the communities who were willing to share their stories with us. Gary, it seems to me one of the biggest challenges must be just how do you whittle it down? I mean, there are so many great stories, so many inspiring Native people out there. How do you whittle that down? And, and what are the first steps in that process to really hone in on the specific stories that you wanted to tell? Yeah, it's challenging. And, um, you know, there's plenty more stories out there. So um, we we knew we had four hours to uh you know, to, to, to make this series, uh, that there were going to be four hours, uh, four episodes. And so, um, we came up with themes and, um, you know, those themes, new worlds, uh, is about, uh, innovative design warrior spirit is about, um, you know, connecting to, uh, the warrior tr tradition and, um, um, athleticism today, women rule, um, is about uh, the power of Native women and how they lead and innovate and inspire in the arts and politics and, and uh, protecting the planet. And Language is Life is um, um, about uh, efforts across uh, Indian country to keep Native languages alive. So um, those were the themes. And then the challenge is how do you tell stories about those important subjects. And, and I guess the key is stories. It's, it's about storytelling. Um, and so, uh, you know, our team um, looked at all kinds of different possibilities um, of uh, what those stories could be and, um, you know, ultimately came up with the ones that we have in the, um, in the episodes. And part of that, part of the determination of that, I think, is the, the willingness of the communities um, and uh, individual participants from those communities to really throw themselves into uh, the, 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 um, the production, because it takes a lot. It takes a lot of their time. It takes, takes a lot of trust as well. And I think 
that is one of the things that um, made this all possible is um, trust among our team and then trust between our team and the communities that we uh, worked with. Let's go ahead and listen to a sample of that storytelling that you mentioned, Gary. Here is a clip that will air in tonight's Native America episode titled New Worlds. And in this scene, Navajo weaver Taniba Natani is talking with NASA engineer Aaron Yazzie. You might not think of Navajo weaving and engineering in the same sentence, but she makes a connection. She first describes the pattern on the rug she's weaving. The name of it is Bataka which means crackers. <laughs> yeah, you know how saltine crackers are shaped like a rectangle? This pattern creates that checkerboard pattern. That's cool. This is a pattern that deities hmm. gave our people by way of our grandmothers and our grandfathers. And so this twill weave is a very powerful, sacred pattern. And you said it was twill, so that's a slightly different style than... It's like programming, uh -huh. computer programming. It, it's very specific in its count. Mm -hmm. You can kind of think of this bottom weave like arithmetic. And then as you progress, it gets more complex. Uh -huh. So you graduate from arithmetic to algebra, <laughs> to geometry, yeah. to trigonometry, to calculus, mm -hmm. to probability and statistics. <laughs> it's amazing when we think about our grandmothers and our grandfathers, how they had these numbering sequences in their mind. Right. That's what I always see as what makes a good engineer is somebody who likes to take on these really tough problems. Mm. And when you're done with it, it's very rewarding. That's the exact feeling it is to be a weaver. That was Navajo weaver Taniba Natani and engineer Aaron Yazi. I really like that episode, Gary. It's, it's very inspiring. I love the connection between traditional and contemporary lifestyles and ideology. I have to ask you, did you know much about Native American people and culture before you started the series originally? <laughs> Not really. I mean, you know, I liked cowboy and Indian movies growing up, you know, and um, <laughs> and I always rooted for the Indians. But That's that, good. You know. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but but not uh, n not really. I mean, it's it's a it's a shortcoming um, of our of our education system. I mean, to be to how how can you possibly tell the history of this country without the history of Native America? I mean, it's it's one and the of the same. So it's is a it's a, it's a horrible shortcoming. And I'm hoping that this series, you know, will reach millions of people just like the first season did. And um, you know, open up possibilities for people on their own to um, dive deeper into it. Well, I imagine you have learned a, a lot, uh, not just the process for how to approach this series, but also uh, about Native people and Native communities. And hopefully there will be a season three at some point in the future. And, and when that happens, Gary, what are you going to be able to incorporate into that next season that you've learned so far in these first two seasons? Uh, well, 
We've built uh, an incredible team on this one, and um, I, uh, you know you'll you'll hear it a number of times, but trust you know is the foundation of it. Um, and um, you know it's been an incredible honor for me to be part of the team, and um, and through um, my my colleagues um, being introduced to communities where I would not necessarily have been able to be um, in, invited into. I mean, um, you know, the Pueblo community uh, was one of those um, communities where we we worked, uh, and uh, Mandolin Rainsong was the segment producer on that, and she's from Taos, Pueblo. And, um, he, you know, getting to be invited in, 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 in such an intimate place and tell a story that is so um, important to the Pueblo people um, and share it with uh, the PBS audience is, is an incredible privilege. Um, just as we pushed from season one to season two to give more voice, authentic voice to Native um, people, um, you know, we'll find ways to do that for uh, for season three, four, and five. Uh, it, I'm 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 going to rely on my my native team members to uh, suggest how we how we can go further with that. Well, Gary, appreciate you kicking off our conversation today. And you mentioned the importance of trust and establishing that trust, earning that trust with the Native people and communities who are featured in the documentary series. And when we come back from this break, we're going to talk to Pam Belgard a little bit more about what it takes to earn that trust. Folks, stay with us. We'll be right back. The direction of America's early westward expansion took a major leap forward with the ratification of the Louisiana Purchase 200 years ago this month. It was the start of an extended period of aggression and displacement aimed at the native people who occupied the land. We'll explore the history of the Louisiana Purchase on the next Native America Calling. How we chose on a Awaki Glag Umwo, Nitiwahe, Nawichotiki, Oichakiao, Ich Ikaho, Pejuta, Glustamp Ktacha, RSV, Seasonal Flu, and a COVID 19, Wichakaho, Pejuta, Ikichokihipelo. Isama Solachi Hunter, Lakozani, Wawoki Oti El Yayo, Nis Wichakaho, Pejuta, Dot Gov El Yayo, Lewot Haniki, Medicare and Medicaid Otiatahiapelo. We're glad you're tuned in to Native America Calling. We're hearing from some of the people involved in creating the Native America series that begins tonight on PBS stations. It showcases a number of accomplished Native people around the country working to solve housing problems and environmental threats, riding to win a grueling Indian relay horse race, or being victorious in a boxing ring. We'd like to hear from our listeners as well. Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. Once again, that number, 1-800-996-2848. Our phone lines are open. We'll get your comments on the air. Just give us a call. Let's talk now with Pam Belgard. She is a producer for the Native America series, and she is 
Turtle Mountain Band of Anishinaabe. Pam, again, thank you for, for joining us today. And I know that you worked on a couple of these Native America series episodes. What are some key issues you wanted the people behind the scenes to understand so that viewers would have a better understanding of the people and topics that you were telling stories about? Um, first, I want to say miigwech, um, Sean, for inviting me to be a part of the, the hour today. And I'd like to take just a second to introduce myself in a traditional manner. And, you know, you said at the, uh, right before the break, you know, how do we gain the trust of our communities? And uh, so I thought about that during the break, and I just wanted to share with our listeners that, um, you know, Boots Kennedy, who's also um, joining us today, he and I work as a production team. And uh, I think one of the reasons we get along so well is because we tend to lead with our hearts. <laughs> and sometimes that can make, you know, life's journey a little more challenging, you know, when, when you do walk through the world that way. But, um, but when we go into communities and ask them, you know, if they would open themselves, you know, their families or, the, or their story or their homes and so on to us and then eventually to a camera, and eventually to the world, they can sense if you're sincere or not. You know, they can see how you walk in this world. And I think that's what helped Boots and I um, over the years as we produced, you know, various um, projects uh, to bring, um, you know, uh, good stories to our projects. And we were so blessed uh, with uh, Native America Season 2 uh, for so many reasons, but um, uh, you know, Gary, Gary's being quite humble here. He comes with a a long line of <clears throat> excellent work, and uh, in his uh, on his resume, <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, so we were very uh, uh, fortunate, and uh, we're in the right place at the right time. You know, creator like shine down on us and. And we were uh, asked to be a part of the series, and um, and so we, you know, we have a lot of contacts in our communities and so on. And we just reached out to our contacts, and you know, we know a lot of folks out in Indian Country because of our work in Indian Country, and we just start tapping into our network, and uh, or we knew of stories that, uh, like there were stories, uh, for example, the Indian Relay story you mentioned. Um, I grew up on a quarter horse ranch, and I used to ride for my dad back when I weighed 110 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, when his jockey didn't show up, he'd throw me on the horse. And so I had a love for horses. I'm a martial artist. You know, my dad used to take me to, uh, I remember he took me to Golden Gloves Boxing when I was real small. You know, those kinds of things have an impact on your life, you know, as you get older. And then I end up being, um, you know, getting a black belt in Taekwondo. So I love martial arts. I love UFC. And uh, so when we were talking about warrior spirit, for example, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I can find, you know, some stories with that <laughs> for sure. And uh, so I, you know, I, I was actually looking for a female mixed martial artist, uh, but we have to, you know, we needed to find somebody who was uh, actively competing. So anyway, I tapped into my network and a good friend of mine, Reggie Mitchell, who was a former MMA 
uh, I mean, in, I'm a former uh, jujitsu uh, uh, competitor and instructor. Um, he helped me locate our story, yeah, Mariah, our uh, Mariah Bahi. And so a big thank you to Reggie for uh, hooking us up with Mariah because then we have this beautiful story and I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> um, you know, I hope people uh, watch the episode when it's on. Um, I did believe it's next week. Um, and in terms of Indian Relay, you know, I love Indian Relay and uh, uh, was blessed to, to uh, uh, locate the uh, Irvine family and, um, you know, bring their story to the screen. These are just fascinating little vignettes, and it's great, Pam, that you're able to just draw from your own history, your own personal experience, and, and incorporate that into the series with these stories that are told. Let's go ahead and take our first caller now, Jen, who is listening online in East Texas. Hi, Jen. Welcome to Native America Calling. Thank you so much for taking my call. As a Cherokee from East Texas and living away from all my intertribal people, I am so excited for this new season because we need so much of these stories to be told. And I was lucky to have met Benny Klein, which many of you know him. He was a Navajo filmmaker uh, going to school at UT in Austin when I lived there. And, and I got to help um, raise money for <clears throat> his film called Weaving World. And, uh, and I own some weavings which i didn't even know the story behind until she mentioned a, a little while ago about how the twill is made and i own a twill of um of, of, of nathan harry's and my best friend gilbert begay uh his rugs and and i'm just so excited that's all i had to say and thank you so much for all these stories and i love the horse racing i can't wait to see the whole thing and thank you well, thank you, Jen. I uh, appreciate that call coming in from East Texas. And Pam, I, I got to ask, what we see on screen, every one of these episodes is condensed down into one hour, but how much footage do you have to actually capture before you can edit one hour's worth of content that we see on screen? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, we have hours and hours of footage. Uh, you know, we we followed several stories. You know, this is a, a four one-hour series. You know, so there's four hours, separate four separate episodes of one hour in length, and then we cover three or four stories within each episode. So um, we shoot many many hours of uh, of material. And then it has to be, you know, filtered down into, you know, the story that you see on the screen. And, um, you know, we are truly a team, a talented team of uh, filmmakers. You know, there were the producers. We went in and got the stories and brought them to, you know, the editor. And uh, um, so we have very talented editors as well that uh, I am just I was just floored when I saw the, uh, you know, the cuts the edits that came through and the talent of our editor. Um, but yeah, it's really, I can't, that's more of a boots question. I'm not a, the technical person, but I can tell you many, many hours. And it's very, it is challenging to get it down 
to, you know, the story that actually is shown on the screen. And there's, you know, different uh, uh, versions of it. And so we go, oh, no, we don't like that. Uh, no, you know, this, no, this isn't quite, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, bringing to the screen what we're really looking for. And, uh, you know, Gary is a very talented storyteller. Our editors are very talented. And it was, you know, through the um, feedback and input of everybody, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, that we bring the story that we did. But it takes a real talented group of folks to do that. Well, let's hear from one of the individuals who appears in the series, Aaron Yazi. He is a NASA mechanical engineer, and you've actually heard him a couple of times here on Native America Calling. Just search for his name in our archives. He helped design tools used in the exploration of Mars. I asked him what it felt like having Native creators such as Pam and Boots behind the camera. What was really cool that they, that they have a native background and a native perspective when they came into this filming project, um, because we got to know each other very closely, I think I opened up to them uh, like really easily. Like I felt like I was talking to relatives. And um, yeah, I, I, I shared a lot. I probably overshared probably sometimes. <laughs> but I, I, I think when I was answering the questions, I could talk to them as if they already have a knowledge of what I'm trying to get at they knew how to ask in, in the way that allowed me to put my best foot forward and say the things that I wanted to say and get across. Um, and I knew that I could trust them with my story, that after filming, I would, nothing, something that I said wouldn't be taken the weird, a wrong way or something, or uh, uh, represented in a way that I'm like speaking out of, like out of my knowledge zone, you know? So I, I really appreciated what ended up on this, on the, in the actual episode because um, I think they just did an excellent job. That's Aaron Yazi, who is in the episode that airs tonight on PBS. And that's actually an excerpt from a panel that we hosted at the Autry Museum in Los Angeles last month. And Boots, I want to bring you into the conversation now. And folks, once again, Charles Boots Kennedy, he is uh, one of the producers for the Native America series, along with Pam Belgard. And Boots, again, going back to this whole idea of trust and, and what that means and what it takes to earn that trust. And you know, it's one thing to just go into a Native community and just get people to talk and open up and maybe share a few stories. But then when, when you pull out a camera, you pull out a microphone, you're like taking it to a whole new level. And a lot of people that might be really open and receptive, once that camera comes out, they just I, I see it myself just in the work we do. They just kind of take a step back and it changes the dynamic. So how do you how do you get them to follow through and maintain that trust from the very beginning when you first meet them until you actually get them on camera and get them involved. Yeah, um, absolutely. The camera can be really, really intrusive. Um, uh, you know, I think from from the very beginning, uh, when we approach people, we, uh, you know, we have to bring our authentic selves. Uh, we have there's a certain amount of uh, certain amount of um, um, caring and nurturing a little bit when when we when we do talk to people on the phone, and they have to be able to trust us. And, and for, for filmmakers, especially documentary filmmakers, uh, you know, those relationships are, are uh, we have to, to sometimes meet people very quickly and, um, you know, get to know them and, and kind of, um, you know, let, let them know exactly what we're going to do uh, so they're, they're aware um, and, and how it's going to unfold. And, you know, um, like what Aaron was saying is that, you know, um, I think, 
as native producers, we we do have an obligation to um, make sure that their their story is told in the correct way. That uh, you know, uh, native stories are very difficult to do sometimes because there's a lot of considerations we have to make, and there's a lot of protocol within native communities. You know, for for me being Kiowa or Pam and Anishinaabe, you know, uh, we got We can't take for granted that we're uh, generally outsiders of, you know, Native communities that we go into, you know, Navajo communities or uh, Lakota communities or wh- whatever it is. Uh, so uh, we're not experts in their history or their culture. So we, we have to be very uh, cognizant of that, very aware of that. We have to really lean on them to uh, be their, the knowledge keepers to help us usher the, the story in a correct way, in a right way. Uh, we used a song um, from uh, Tanaba's story. Tanaba sung a beautiful uh, Navajo song, and um, she asked her mother and her elders around her and um, her spiritual leaders. We end up using it into the timeline of one of our stories. And um, uh, what happened was one of her elders came back and says, um, you're, you're not allowed to use that, that song in that way because there's a spiritual significance about it. So she relayed that to us. And, you know, as filmmakers, like I said, we, we have that obligation to, to make sure that it's told in the right way. So we, we uh, pulled that song out of the timeline. And it, it changed, changed the story in a way for me. But at the same time, it, it made us, you know what I mean, uh, grounded in the fact that we're, we're, we still are trying to fulfill that trust with uh, the people you know, that we make, we make contact with. So, yeah, when we get them in front of the cameras, um, it's really uh, – we try to just uh, – uh, by then, we've already uh, made um, significant uh, contact with them and friendship with them, uh, and it's really just a conversation after that. Once they really trust us, and you know what I mean, and and mm-hmm. things just kind of fall away as far as like the camera, as far as the the people surrounding them, or lights, or if we have lights up or whatever. So, you know, it's that really that one on one, and it's that that really quick, uh, you know. As documentary filmmakers, we have those specific skills of really, you know, gaining people's trust really quickly. And so it's because, you know, what Pam said too. We 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 are probably guilty of of carrying, um, you know, um, uh, too much sometimes. But that's that's a in a good way, you know. And that's what we try to bring our best, our best, and in in a good way. Leading from the heart, boots. Um, another aspect that, that I want to ask you about because uh, obviously. You and Pam, as Native producers, you have that perspective, you have that knowledge, but you're also working with some non-Native producers. And, and, and what's that dynamic like in terms of helping to establish that trust with some of those folks who aren't Native who are going to be coming into these communities? And is it an education process or is there ever pushback? Do you ever you know, have to kind of work through issues to, to make sure that the stories are told correctly? Sure, absolutely. You know, um, it, it's always a challenge to work with uh, different groups or different people. But you know, I think um, you know um, we all, all from from both sides, from the non-native producers that work with us and from the native producers, we all brought our best uh, professional qualities to the project. Uh, and then, um, you know, I mean, so yes, there, there's uh, same thing. We have to really gain each other's trust really quickly, and uh, all of us are, are you know in in a certain um, you know, uh, 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 point in our careers where we feel very comfortable in what we're doing. You know what I mean? It comes very natural, you know, on, on Gary and Gary's team with Providence or with uh, Dan or Jen or uh, Pam or me, you know, so, so we feel very comfortable kind of navigating those, uh, the stories in Indian country. So, uh, uh, I think, I think from the very beginning, we, we really kind of established that, you know, um, that we are, uh, approaching stories in a, a, a co-creation way. 
So we're co-creating things, and it's not really a, a top-down kind of, you know what I mean, um, an order, and, you know, if someone's ordering you to do something, you know, it just that doesn't really work well with Native people. So I think the whole project was really kind of this co-collaboration, and, uh, you know what I mean, where, where one side had to trust the other, and, you know what I mean, so, and and, and the end result is, you know, I, I, I feel very strongly about this series, and, I, I, uh, and you know, the stories that we did, and, um you know, I feel very strongly that, you know, um, other people will appreciate uh, exactly what we're trying to, to show, you know what I mean, um, to uh, not only show Native uh, people as uh, uh, contemporary and living in, in uh, you know, um, in the way, you know, um, uh, hopefully in our spiritual ways and the ways that we're, we should in our traditional ways, but also, you know, that we have strength within our communities. And, uh, you know, uh, we we should always use that, that strength in our, our elders as uh, people to lean on. The four-part series begins tonight on PBS. It's called Native America, and this is the second season. Um, we're going to talk more with Boots and Pam and Gary, but we do have to take a short break. And I encourage anybody with questions or comments, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. Support for journalism that raises the awareness of child well-being to citizens and to policymakers provided by the Annie E. Casey Foundation, building a brighter future for children, families, and communities. Information at aecf.org. Lakota-made indigenous first medicines and eco-friendly personal care products are small batch prepared in the Lakota traditions using sustainably harvested natural and organic ingredients, and all can be found at lakotamade.com who support this show. You're tuned to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're continuing our discussion about the new series on PBS called Native America. Feel free to call in, add your perspective. 1-800-996-2848. Let's take another caller now. We have Chanupa. He's listening up in Pine Ridge, South Dakota on Keeley. Hello, Chanupa. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on again. Um, this is going out to the, both of those film uh, crew. I can't remember her name, the girl from down in Diné country, and then the, the brother. Um, you know, Jason Momoma and them guys came out with a series called The Frontier, and it was based upon animal pals. That was our trade commodity back in the days, and it was valued. It was a commerce exchange. But one thing that I, I wanted to comment with this to show that you guys are coming out, there was a guy that did a part on there that used rabbit pelts. Okay. And it's, it's a cute episode in that frontier. But what he did was he used our rabbit song. And it went, Mustin chala na la sinte o na slow, 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 okay. He used that term, and I'm like, hey, you guys, check this out. They're using our song on on TV here, right? <laughs> so when they caught that, they were like, man, we didn't know they were doing but that's one of the things that showed some humility in the movie, okay? And after that, Jason Momoma and them didn't make another series, but I really enjoyed that. And so when I see you guys doing your thing, when I watch it, I hope I can get the same kind of ride like I did from Frontier. And thank you for having my comment come on, too, aimed at the uh, producers and the people that did the show. Thank you, uh, Shane, uh, Sean. We'll talk again. Hello. You bet, Chanupa. Thank you for calling in uh, with those comments. And um, let's go ahead and hear a, a recording uh, from another one of the producers that worked on the show. The Language is Life episode features Manny Wheeler. 
who was instrumental in dubbing the movies Wars, Finding Nemo, and Fistful of Dollars into the Navajo language. I moderated a recent discussion after a screening of that episode in Albuquerque, and Manny said he noticed that he admitted to a past action that he's now ashamed of. I really let something out in this episode, and I didn't realize I let it out until I said it, that I was part of the group of kids that we made fun of Navajo speakers. And that was just par for the course. And I was born in 1970, so I was in elementary school up until 1980, and up in, into high school till 88, and that was par for the course. And so for me to admit that and feel that pain and that embarrassment of like, like, damn, I was part of the problem. But you know what? It goes back to all to us being colonized, you know? That's something we throw out there a lot. But now, you know, my wife and I were, were talking about that. And in Navajo, there's a phrase, and it says, Dojanida. And that means something. It just doesn't mean you don't say that. That's not, that's what I mean. There's this world in our, our languages that exists that is much deeper than English. Dojanita, it just doesn't mean you don't say that. It means you don't say that because it's gonna come back on you. And so it came back on me. But now I'm trying to do something to fix it. That's Manny Wheeler who is featured in an upcoming episode of the Native America series. And uh, Pam, I, I'd like you to, to comment on, on this a little bit, because what I'm really hearing from Manny, in addition to this acknowledgement that, you know, he did something in the past that he's not proud of, he obviously has learned something about himself as part of his participation in the Native America series. And I, I want to ask you, Pam, like, I mean, what have you learned about yourself that you didn't know before because of your involvement with the series? Wow, Sean. <laughs> a good question um okay uh yeah i have i have an answer for that um you know being native person and you know kind of feeling like you have to kind of fight for you know to make your way and so on and um i you know i've worked with a, a non-native uh production teams and and um, and not just uh, production teams, but in the world, you know, I think any native person walking walking through life, we you know we all have uh, we all kind of have a little feistiness, you know, we got to fight for things. Well, on this uh, on Native America season two, you know, what I was so impressed and moved by was that, you know, our uh, non-native uh, production team, Providence Pictures, they were so willing to listen. And yeah, we, we bumped heads sometimes because if you come from other cultures and have other perspectives, of course you're gonna bump heads. But everybody was willing to stay open and listen. But I, what, I, what so moved me was that they, my non-native brothers and sisters from Providence Pictures, they, had so much respect and cared so much that these stories were told in a good way. They remained open to us and they respected our perspective and uh, trusted us to bring the stories 
to you know uh, to our meetings and so on. And um, that you know, in fact, I tell them now. I said, "You spoiled me. <laughs> I'm spoiled <laughs> now. I'm going to expect other." you know, non, uh, non-native uh, production teams I work with, you know, to be this way, and that's not reality. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I've, uh, I have much more respect and uh, more openness um, toward non-native uh, folks than I did when I first came into it, because there are good folks out there who really do care and do want to tell the story in a good way and uh, provide that respect and so on. So that's something I learned that w- that, w- that was uh, kind of new for me. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Pam. We're going to take another caller now, Cynthia, who is listening on station KUNM in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hi, Cynthia. What's on your mind? Hey, um, thank you for, for including me. I'm listening to you guys talk about the program, and one of the things I love is that it is, presenting a lot of different professions and different types of work done by prof- professional Native Americans. Um, and as an architect, I just want to encourage the younger designers that are coming up to the field to take the opportunity to help these Native communities discover their architectural voice. You know, so much development in different tribes as is uh, somebody else's vocabulary for housing and education and other things. But we're we're, we're just in this um, kind of a renaissance period where there's a lot of Native American um, design professionals now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, Cynthia, I just wanted to share that comment. Yeah, I appreciate that call, and and I think we would all agree with that, that this renaissance period, and um, before the show, I was even chatting with Gary a little bit, and there's just so many big projects uh, with media coming out right now that pertain to Native American people and Native American issues, so uh, you're right on right on point with that, Cynthia, appreciate it. And Gary, I, I want to have you respond to to what Pam said earlier with regard to, to working with non-Native people, because it seems to me that as a non-Native producer, you walk this fine line, right? Like uh, sometimes you just have to like turn things over to the native producers and, and just trust them to make the right decision. But then other times you have to step in and say, but I'm the executive producer here. And, and you, you know, we need that objective voice in the room that can take a step back and say, well, you know, this might work a little bit better this way. So that must be a challenge. How do you balance that? Like when to push in, lean in and when to lean back? Well, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard to know when, uh, to, um, assert my judgment or, um, you know, um, final word on something. Um, and I try not to do it. Um, uh, you know, I, I think the, the thing about the way we worked was that, um, we talked through, um, challenges. And um, we often came to, you know, the same uh, decisions about things. Um, um, Boots and I were just in New York, so we spent a lot of time together and uh, and then flew here to Oklahoma for an event uh, here. And um, so 
we were talking about um, th there was a story that we were trying to do um, and um, <laughs> Pam and Boots were on it and it was just not working, you know, and they were doing nothing, nothing they were doing wrong or anything. It was just like the stars were not aligning on this, on this um, particular story. And we had already um, been out to this community and filmed quite a bit and, you know, costs money and time. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things as an executive producer, I've got to pay close attention to. And we were about to go out again, and um, um, I just pulled the plug on it. And um, we were talking it through and talking it through, but ultimately, I, I think Boots and Pam were, you know, you can ask them, were greatly relieved that that I made the decision to pull the plug on it. Um, and then we had to find another story. Um, but... Um, you know, sometimes somebody just has to do it. And often in right. those kind of situations, it just comes down to me doing it. Right, right. Well, Boots, uh, would you agree with that? Uh, pulling the plug on that project like Gary did, right decision? Uh, you know, um, some communities are, are very closed and that, you know, and that's fine. We, as Native people, uh, when we ask communities to do, you know, to do something or participate in something like that, we always have to be prepared for people to say no or, you know, um, and or take a hint, you know, it's like, well, maybe this is not working. So, you know, as producers, we, we uh, you know, um, we try to create allies in the field and people that will help us kind of produce a story. So, you know, when things aren't working out and, and the story just wasn't, wasn't there, and we all we all kind of seen the writing on the wall, um, you know, as we were uh, getting closer to our, our our next shoot. And these shoots are extremely expensive. So um, when Gary pulled it, I think we felt a little bit of, of, of relief in a way. Um, we felt bad for you know because we wanted to bring that community voice, mm -hmm. but you know sometimes sometimes like Gary said, things just don't align, and and you know you just have to take it for for that. And um, well, that's got to yeah, be yeah, you know. And Boots, that's got to be a tough conversation with the community then when you have to tell them, hey, we're sorry this isn't working out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, to, to uh, you know, to close out those conversations or to, uh, you know, to, to let them know. And and this happened on stories in the past. I mean, you know, uh, just because, you know, a few people are happy we're there and others may not be. And, you know what I mean? It's just uh, you, you do the best you can to kind of um, – um, feel the temperature of the community uh, to to make sure that you're okay. To ask the right people, um, you know, uh, headmen or you know, um, uh, one time we were at a language camp. You know, not on this project, but me and Pam and you know, um, uh, nobody told told us uh, this particular gentleman was you know a respected elder, and um, so things kind of got you know a, a bit off from from the start there. So you know, we, we like I said, we 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 do the best we can and and try to. Um, I learned the political nature of uh, sometimes too. Um, there's politics that kind of play play in that. So um, you know, and um, as producers, uh, uh, we just try to, uh, uh, like like I said, you know, native stories are, are sometimes very difficult to do because there's so many um, things to consider and so many protocols and um, unseen things in communities that we didn't, you know, can't can't or um, haven't taken account for. 
Thanks, Boots. And Pam, I want to go back to you as we begin to wind down the show here. We've got a couple of minutes. And uh, for folks that tune in tonight and for the other three episodes that are going to air this fall, um, what do you hope more than anything that audiences will get out of viewing the Native America series? Hmm. You know, one of my favorite quotes one of my uh, from the uh, series is by Lloyd Irvine. And uh, it's in the trailer as well. And he says, our people never gave up. They paved the way, talking about our ancestors, they paved the way for us to be here today. And he said, they never gave up. And uh, I was so happy that they used that, uh, that, you know, that quote from Lloyd, because uh, I strongly believe in that. And it doesn't matter what you do, how old you are, what community you're from, you know, I, you know, we just, we don't give up. You know, we have our thousands of ancestors walking with us and, um, uh, you know, helping us uh, as we uh, make our way through our challenges and through life. And um, I think that's a really important message. It doesn't matter which episode. They were all, you know, everybody we featured, they're all trailblazers. And they all had that. They actually, we have an episode called Warrior Spirit, but I think every single person that we featured or group that we featured, they all have that warrior spirit, that tenacity, that indomitable spirit, perseverance. You know, they're all 21st century warriors in their own way. And I think people will, it's all the episodes are very uh, inspiring. Um, I've, I think I've attended like, uh, well, I've attended several screenings, but I remember three different screenings. I've had people come up to me afterwards crying because they were so moved or inspired by what they just viewed on the screen. And so I, I really hope our viewers feel that way uh, because we really want to bring, you know, uh, the good of uh, Indian country to the screen. Our people never gave up. Pam, that's a great way to cap off the show today. And we are out of time now, but big thanks to our three guests, Gary Glassman, Pam Belgard, and Boots Kennedy, producers of the Native America PBS series premiering tonight. We're back tomorrow taking a look at the Louisiana Purchase 200 years after it was ratified by Congress. It was an important turning point for the tribes that lived on that land, and its legacy continues on today. Hope you'll tune in. Until then, thanks again for listening to the one, the only, Native America Calling. Are you a welder? For over 40 years, D&R Tank, who support this show, have provided tanks and tank maintenance to communities throughout the Southwest and is currently hiring experienced welders. Info at 505-873-1101. Frybread, that's the message. Support by Val's Frybread, providing her famous frybread mixes and other products in wholesale and retail quantities at valsfrybread.com. Frybread that will take you home, available wherever you live. Repatriation is the return of ancestors and stolen culture. 
The Association on American Indian Affairs and the Citizen Potawatomi Nation host the ninth annual Repatriation Conference on November 7th, 8th, and 9th. The conference provides in-person and virtual expert training about domestic and international repatriation. Learn how to register at indian-affairs.org. The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this show. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanek Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.